Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. It's time to get into The Thriller Zone. Welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. And today's show, we have C. Matthew Smith with a book called 20 Mile. Matt and I have been crossing paths for quite some time, and I am very excited to say this debut author is going to be sharing his inside secrets and talking about life in the South. So why don't you and I get comfortable, kick back, and meet Matt Smith right here on The Thriller Zone. Monsieur Handsomeness. How are you? I'm so good. How about yourself? I'm great, man. Is this background okay? I think that's very in the holiday spirit. That's what I'm shooting for. You know, got a little holiday flannel on, um, got a little garland behind me. You know, the only thing missing, do I have, maybe I can do this in the um, post. I'll put a, I'll put a Christmas, I mean, a uh, Santa hat on you like I did in some of my marketing. Let's just go with um, the pure sexiness that is you. (laughs) Don't oversell it now. All right. Well, we have so much to do today. Hey, by the way, can I make this common day? You did not ask me for this. I'm probably going to be Mr. Rude Ass for saying this. Oh, no, no, no. Dude, you're so handsome. Oh, And then I I look at this photograph on the website and I can never figure out, I'm like, what is he looking for? What is he searching for? Why? Yeah. I'm uh, the middle distance, man. I'm, I'm a, that, that, that was taken in um, Rocky mountain national park. Yeah. Um, And it it really was uh, sort of spur of the moment photograph that was taken. And uh, the, 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 the the really low rent story is uh, (laughs) I had just, gone under contract for that book. And the publisher said, Hey, we need a headshot. And I was like, I'm, I'm on spring break with my kid. We're out yeah. in Colorado. I'm not going to be able to get a he- proper headshot. So we were out there and my kid, he's a pretty good photographer with a phone. And so I was like, just take a few. And he took a few. And I was like, well, that, I sent that one to them. I said, will that do? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. So that that's how that happened is that it was just, it was that I, I I'm well aware. I'm going to have to take some new photos uh, coming up, but um, it, it's, it's worked so far. <laughs> Contemplative author. That's right. Search, searching for the muse. There was, there was truth out there and I was staring at it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Smith right here on the Thriller Zone. Hey, thank you so much, David, for having me. This is awesome. This book right here has been on my radar. Um, God, dude, it's been like a year, and I got to start out of the game, uh, out of the gate. Don't usually like to do this, but my apologies because uh, we've been talking about this forever. Sure. The good news is, uh, better late than never. Hey, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, you're among the last, what, one, two, three, three shows of 2022. I realize this came out last year. So I'm doing, a, I'm breaking a couple of my own rules. Um, I've, I've backed off of uh, debut authors just a little bit, only because right. there's so many 
monster hitters that want to be on the show. And number two is, uh, you know, usually I talk about books that are inside the year that we're talking about, but I'm like, okay, well, this has been sitting on my shelf and folks, it's a, it's a damn fine read. Oh, thank you. Which we're going to get to in a minute, but first we're going to drill down. Now, some of the, um, I always like to start the show with the green room. Now, some of the green room that we were just talking about, I'm sad to say you did not, my friends, get to hear, but um, that's okay. It was it, good stuff. It was good stuff. Um, uh, thank thank you, Matt, for bearing with that as I bear my soul. But um, I, one of these days I'll do an uncut version and somebody will get to hear it. But let's start here. We've I feel like I've known you for years because we've been pals on Twitter sphere. Right. Which, by the way, is it me, dude, or is Twitter gotten a little wonky lately? Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's a little buggy, little body. Um, I, I think it has. Yeah, I have had more people fall off of following me, following me, like a couple of the heavy hitters that were on the show earlier in the year. All of a sudden, they're uh, nowhere to they they're, they're not following anymore. And I'm like, I I want to send them emails like a like a like a broken lover. Dear so and so, why did you unfriend me on Twitter? Uh, are you sure they didn't just drop off? Because a lot of people have been dropping off. That could be. I did notice there's a couple of biggies. I, I won't drop their names, but uh, their followership has sunken, not sunken, dropped dramatically. And I'm yeah. like, well, it must be part of the algorithm or something. Well, I, I, you know, a lot of people are are sort of left in the wake of the takeover and you know, what they anticipate Twitter to become. Uh, right. So uh, I, I think I, I'm, I'm aware of certain writers that I know and that I got to know on Twitter who are no longer there. You know, they've moved to other platforms. Well, either way, we are here to talk about uh, you and all that is goodness. Now, I do, I do want to ask you this. Does, sure. um, has the social media universe worked for you as an author do you find this is a question i've been asking a couple of my friends recently do you find yourself saying that social media does help you doesn't help you uh sells books gets you attention etc a hundred percent i think it does uh for me um it's made a ton of connections. I've gotten to know a number of people who have either, you know, been kind enough to have me on their show or post a review. Um, I've made a lot of connections with writers who, you know, and, and, and one nice thing about writers is 99% of them boost each other's work. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's been tremendous. I would not have sold as many copies of 20 miles I have without social media, I would not have made the connections of the community. I have at least not as quickly without social media. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, by the way, quick note, did you notice the background of the screen around us? Uh, does it feel a little familiar? It does. It does. I was wondering what was going on. Was it, uh, yeah. is, so that, is that from the cover? Yeah. It's just a little attention to detail, Matt, that you get here on the thriller zone. Listen, this is why everyone wants to be on your show, man. Uh, so listen to this, check out these similar, uh, six degrees of separation or less. Okay. You went to Davidson. Yes. I, uh, my, one of my oldest best friends in the whole world to this day went to Davidson. Okay. My sister lived 
two blocks from Davidson for 20 years until she moved recently up to uh, close to Asheville. Okay. Speaking of Asheville, where some of your book takes place, where my brother currently lives, Hendersonville, exactly. Right, but, uh, right. I, I shot a f my first, I turned my first book into a film called Chasing Grace, shot it in Waynesville, Asheville, so forth. Yeah. Um, your book takes place, Great Smoky Mountains. I spent my childhood playing in and around Great Smoky Mountains almost my entire childhood. And now you live just outside Atlanta. That's right. Where I spent several years working on television and making movies. So I think this just means that we were meant to hook up for this yes. uh, this thing, this interview here. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, and spending time in Western Carolina as a kid must have been amazing. I I didn't discover it until college because uh, I'm a I'm a Central Floridian by by birth and. Uh, when I got there, I was like, where has this been all my life? This is amazing. So growing up in it must have been crazy. It was beautiful. I grew I was, uh, I grew up my younger years in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. And so Blue Ridge Mountains right there in my backyard, then moved to uh, Carolina. So I was actually born in Winston-Salem, which is not terribly far from y'all. And um, and then uh, Great Smoky Mountains. We spent, Dad, Dad's a preacher. I'm a PK. So he spent summers at a little place called Lake Junaluska. I don't know that I've ever been to Lake Junaluska, but I, I'm I'm familiar with the signs. You know, you pass by the signs like this is where you would get off to go there. I've yeah. not been there, I don't think. Not to make it about me. It's all about you. But it is very, oh. as I was sitting here studying this, I'm like, babe, talking to my wife, Tammy. Tammy, look at all the similarities and familiarities. It was just really darn cool. That is cool. And then if you ever want to see the actual Lake Junaluska, you can see it in my movie, Chasing Grace. Trying to do a little plug here. Okay. Uh, it's, it's free. Um, all right. But now here's what I want to do. Yeah. I feel like we're distant brothers of twin mothers or however that the saying goes. I like it. This book, 20 Mile, it was like revisiting my childhood. When you start describing uh, areas inside uh, the Great Smoky Mountains and all that area, I go, wow, he really captured the feeling. You, you could almost smell the woods and hear the creek babbling and... So uh, I had a had a really fun time reading it. So I got two things for you. Sure. Number one, damn fine writing. Oh my god! Just Thank you. Classic. I I want to pull up you know a big fancy name and drop it that would impress everybody, but I can't think of one right now. But it's just it is almost literary fiction in because of its expertise of the craftsmanship of your storytelling. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to stop at the accolades and get you to talk about it. But here's number two. Where in the wide world of Southern craftsmanship is your next book? And why is it taking so long for it to get here? Well, uh, so the next one is uh, it's it's done. The manuscript is done. It is set really in and around Atlanta. Okay. Um, so it's an urban setting this time. Um as for when, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I hope to be on submission with it the first part of next year. Um, and I think that that's on track to happen. But, you know, everything in publishing is slow. Uh, oh, so, so it'll be a it while. Could, could be a while. Okay. Unfortunately. All right. 
So for those who have not read 20 Mile yet, I keep holding it up like I can't put a graphic up on the screen, which I'll do later, but tell us about this story so that we can get a good idea what it's about. So 20 Mile is, um, it revolves around a suspicious death uh, inside Great Smoky Mountains National Park. A, A wildlife biologist is found dead behind a small ranger station uh, on the southwest corner of the park. Um, Outwardly looks a bit like a suicide, uh, but because it involves park personnel uh, and it's kind of sensitive, um, the park reaches out to what is known as the investigative services branch. Now, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this until I started researching this novel. The National Park Service has its own mini FBI, if you will, um, called the Investigative Services Branch. It's about three dozen special agents, and they investigate the most serious crimes committed within the National Park Service. And um, so uh, Chula Walker, who is our uh, uh, protagonist, she's a special agent with the National Park Service, and she is called in to look at what looks to be a suicide of a, a park employee. But she's not convinced, and she starts digging And um, eventually her investigation is going to take her deep, much deeper into the park um, than she expected to go. And it's going to bring her face to face with some some men uh, that uh, essentially are out there to reclaim what one of them, sort of their leader, Harlan Miles, believes is a lost uh, family homestead. and so the, the, the novel sort of has two different narrative threads that weave together. There's Harlan leading his two sons and an adult friend out into the, to the park, deep into the park to try to reclaim this homestead sort of without anybody noticing. Um, and then Chula investigating this death. And they're going to come together in ways that I hope are surprising, um, but also that spin characters off uh, in, in different directions, uh, when they do come face to face. Two things. I wish, um, what I should have done earlier, I, uh, you, you know, I do this thing called uh, if this scene could talk, right? Yeah. Which I may have to do and in, in post-production and add to the show because there are some moments that I really, really loved. But if I had been thinking ahead and we had had a little more time, you and I would have done it together, oh. which would have been pretty tasty. But I am going to read the very first paragraph of the book. And this paragraph is what kind of got me hooked. Okay. All right, Matt, let's take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to do something. It's not quite if this scene could talk, but it's uh, it's an excerpt that really got my attention. Folks, stay with us. Matt Smith and I are coming back shortly right here on The Thriller Zone. David Temple here with a question. Do you love audiobooks? Yeah, me too. Do you love giveaways? Avanti Centre, author of the international best-selling Van Ops thriller series, has just released an award-winning standalone, Cleopatra's Vendetta. Critics are raving, calling it dangerous, intoxicating, rare, and action-packed. To celebrate, my friend Avanti is giving away an audiobook version of Cleopatra's Vendetta and the latest audiobooks from James Rollins and Steve Barry. Just use the code THRILLERZONE for bonus entry points. If you'd like to enter, head over to vanops.net. That's V-A-N-O-P-S dot net. Enter today and good luck. 
Your host, David Temple here. Hey, before we get back to the show, I thought I would throw in this one quick note. I have had authors approach me who want to actually advertise on the show. And I'm like, that's cool. I love that idea. I mean, think about it. We feature the best thriller writers in the world. You're one of the new up-and-coming thriller writers in the world to be. And you have a book coming out. Our rates are super reasonable. (laughs) We're easy to work with, as you know. And we all want to work together to make success for all of us. Just reach out to us here at The Thriller Zone at thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Let's talk rates. Let's talk details. Let's do something together in the new year. I think you'll like it. Now, back to the show. The best thrillers, the thriller zone. And now, back to the show. The same moment the hiker comes upon them, rounding the bend in the trail, Harlan knows the man will die. He takes no pleasure in the thought. So far as Harlan is aware, he's never met the man and has no quarrel with him. This stranger is simply an unexpected contingency. A loose thread that, once noticed, requires snipping. (laughs) I knew when I read that, I'm like, oh, baby, I'm in for a ride. Great, great. Well, you know, it's it's there's a truism in in writing fiction that you spend a disproportionate amount of time on that first page, that first paragraph. And uh, the number of drafts I went through with that, uh, that, that opening paragraph, that opening chapter would probably total in the hundreds. So uh, I'm glad that it uh, landed. Let's drill down on that for, for a second, because you're the kind of guy I feel I can, I can really uh, unpack this a little bit. <clears throat> and this is for the writers in the group who listen to the show, who really enjoy these kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I'm going to feel perfectly comfortable doing this, but isn't that funny? I've talked to some people along the way or here in the past uh, year and a half, and you're going to be episode 111, um, in that some people, some authors, that first opening line, it's so it so grabs them that they go, I couldn't imagine it being any other way, so they never change it. And then folks like yourself who go, I think I have it, but I'm going to tweak it. And literally, you mean that paragraph underwent a hundred different incarnations? Probably so. Um and the first line that's there now was not the first line in the beginning. Um, much of that paragraph, much of that first chapter, I sort of reworked the structure of. But yeah, I mean, you want very badly, you know, you have certain goals with that first line. You want very badly to grab attention. You want very badly to set tone. And um, so, you know, you just you, you go at it and you go at it until finally you're like, all right, that's, that's probably the one. Um, I, you know, I can't confirm a hundred. What I will tell you is I write on Google docs. And so I'm constantly revising, um, tweaking words and, and all, all that. If you went back through the history of that particular uh, paragraph and chapter though, I think you would see constant tweaking. And so forgive my ignorance on Google Docs. Is that like uh, a lot of different programs that will save uh, a version so that if you get into the next version, the next version, you go, no, I really like the one three, three back. You can just go back to it. Yeah, there are tools on there that will help you uh, find your old versions of it. Um, All right. I love that. I I rarely I rarely look back because when I do change it, I'm like, all right, there's a reason for it. But you can you can definitely do that. 
Interesting note too. This this clocks in at 320 pages and a couple of drips. And to me, it's about the per- it's about the perfect length of a book. Uh, I have read, you know, I read um, Philip Fricasse's uh, "A Child Al- Among Alone with Strangers," yeah. um, which is about 600. And you have to really set aside the time to dive into that. But my question to you is: Do you find that there's a natural ebb and flow, natural ending spot around that 3, 310, 320, 350? I think that's probably true. Um, you know, word count wise, I think the novel ended up about 76, 77,000 words. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the, the manuscript I have now is probably about 10,000 words more than that. But that's, you know, on page, what is that? That's another 40 pages maybe. Yeah, I think that there is a sweet spot between, you know, 275 and 375, where most novels probably should end. And, um, you know, going over that, you can, but you probably have to have a reason for doing it. That's sort of my thought. Uh, And that partly comes from me as a reader. I don't have that much time to read. Um, And so I like to have, you know, I like to get through a novel and and at some point, uh, it may take me a month to read one, uh, if it's 500 pages. And yeah. so, um, you know, I think naturally I gravitate toward 275 to 375, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, uh, speaking from experience, if I'm reading one to two books uh, a week, I have to really, you know, I have to go, okay, if I, if I pull out, pull down a 600 and a 350, <laughs> I've got my work cut out for me. Right. And so, Mike, you've just set me up for a perfect question. Do you feel that, and I feel like almost like an old man saying this, but do you feel like in the advent of shortening attention spans Mm. and more requirement for our attention that people are gravitating toward uh, perhaps shorter stories? I think that that's probably true. Um, But, you know, you still see novels coming out that are doing well at five, 600 pages. I, I think what it does mean though, is you're writing, you know, we talked about that first page, that first paragraph. Yeah. That's for most people. That's all important because of that short attention span. Right. I mean, you got to grab them in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I think you'll see things like punchier writing, shorter paragraphs, um, things like that, that really sort of cater to that shortened attention span, you know, um, and and probably shorter novels are part of that. Um, I, if that were completely true, I think we would see a resurgence of novellas as a form and and publishers would be more willing to put them out. And I don't know a lot of publishers that are putting them out regularly other than, you know, shotgun honey and, and a few others. But, um, I, I think there's something to it. I think it, I think it certainly changes how we write, um, and, and how we approach our relationship with the reader. And speaking of shotgun honey, you have written for shotgun honey, correct? Yeah, I, um, well, I will, uh, occasionally do like a, uh, an article, uh, mm-hmm. on shotgun honey's website. I did one in fact on outdoor thrillers that, um, I considered, you know, important to me as I was writing 20 mile and, um, so Ron, uh, uh, 
Ron Earl at, at Shotgun Honey was very kind uh, to let me, you know, put that up there. And I will, um, because of my relationship with some of the writers, I will also do reviews uh, occasionally of their works. Um, it's a good press, man. They they do good work. Yeah. And you're with, do I pronounce this correctly, Lata? Uh, it's it's Lata. Uh, L-A-T-A-H books was the, the publisher for this, this first one. Um, okay. Let's take one step backward because, and I, a lot of times I would do this at the beginning, but I really kind of want to get inside your head and you are, are you still a practicing attorney? I am. Okay. So I have, having now met, uh, a couple of different David Ellis, uh, Wanda Morris, Mm -hmm. both attorneys, very prominent, very busy. So when I speak to them, I think about, uh, John Grisham and so forth, but I think, that workload that you have on a daily basis has to be kind of on the crazy side. Mm, it's pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find the time. Um, and, and that's part of the reason that's part of the reason it's, you know, it's might be four or five years between books for me um, because I set a goal for my, when I can write is at night and on weekends and I, you know, I'm married. I've got a 16 year old son who's in high school. You know, I have other things that I want to attend to and I can only neglect them so much. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I set a goal of 250 words to 300 words a day uh, to write on average. Um, some days it's more, some days I don't get to write at all, but that's about all I can manage really on a day-to-day basis because of work and everything else. And here's my here's my curiosity question, uh, just because I'm a writer myself. Do you find yourself, uh, is it early in the morning when the world is still quiet, or do you squeeze it in at the end when everyone else has gone to bed? No, I'm, I am I'm not a morning person, man. I try, uh, but I'm just not. And uh, so I will write, mostly it's at night before I go to bed. Um, and on the weekends, I'll get up in the morning and I'll do it until, you know, noon or 1 p.m. or something like that. And then I have the rest of the day with, with family. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. And I think it's fr- from doing morning radio shows my whole career. But my brain at about 4, 4.15, I start waking up. And by 5 o'clock, I'm ready to just smack it, you know. Listen, I'm envious. You know, I see people when they post, a, oh, 5 a.m. Writers Club. I, I did, you know, 500 words. I did a thousand words today. I'm like, I, they would be the worst words in the world if I were writing them at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. It's just, it's just chemical. It's just the way your, your brain works. And Some people just manage it. And that's great. Yeah. I wish I could. Yeah. The, the, you know, your magic is your magic. You, you yeah. probably, uh, and we're going to get there. I'm going to squeeze in a little rapid fire questions here on, on you in just a second. But a lot of people find their inspiration, that motivation in the strangest places. And a lot of times it's in, you know, you get a little time off and you get a little extra quiet in the woods, or maybe it's a noisy city and it just kind of feeds the machine. Right. 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 You, you got to figure out what works for you. Um, you know, for me, it's complete quiet. Um, I, I'm just one of those. I can't do it with music. I can't do it with anything else going on around me. Um, and I've just learned that. I've tried everything. This is what works. You you winnow it down to what works for you. Yeah. What was the best? What was your favorite part of writing 20 Mile? Favorite part? Um, like, what do you walk away saying to yourself? I'm buying yourself some time, by the way. Right, what right. do you walk away going man, what I learned about 
Smoky Mountains, what yeah. I learned about myself, what yeah. I learned about police procedurals, what I learned about psychology or just the pure joy of writing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the research was pretty fun. Um, I got to, I, I chose the setting that I chose because I was familiar with um, Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Western Carolina. I've spent a lot of time there since I went to college um, in North Carolina at 18, and it's an area I love. So getting to go back and, you know, do some of the research was a lot of fun. Uh, getting to know uh, leadership of the investigative services branch was pretty cool. Um, you know, I had a, a, a the what they called the special agent in charge, who's sort of number two in the ISB, was very generous with his time with me, letting me pick his brain and sort of learning what this little known agency does. And, um, you know, he was pretty enthusiastic uh, about what they do, actually getting featured in, in, a, in a novel. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, really, though, I think when we were, when, when the book was acquired and we did developmental editing um, for the book, um, I, that, was, that was a challenge because you've been writing this thing for three, four years. And then they're like, this is great. Now let's change some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's a hard thing to wrap one's brain around. But I will tell you that what came, some of the sections uh, that came out of that are some of the work that I'm the most proud of in the novel. And so, I, you know, I just I, what I really enjoy is watching the damn thing come together. Yeah. In a way that by the end, you're like, oh, I'm actually I'm actually pretty proud of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you should be. Well, thank you. I do have a burning question that mm -hmm. has been going through my mind since I've been sitting here. I see a reflection in the glass behind you, and I can't decide if that's some very fancy Hollywood lighting that you've got going on, or you're actually in a church somewhere, and that's uh, a stained glass, or uh, what is it? So are you on a laptop or on a desktop? I'm, a, I'm on a laptop. Um, you could spin it and show me oh, yeah. what that... Yeah. yeah. Let's see if I can make that happen. So it looks like the light of God right there. But what it is, is that's an old stained glass window um, in uh, our house. I'm, I'm in the dining room right now. Okay. Um, we live in a small town south of Atlanta called Noonan, Georgia. Yeah. Um, it was actually sort of known as a hospital city during the Civil War. And so there, uh, there's a lot of old housing stock uh, in, in the city. It, it, it was sort of spared the worst of, of the Civil War. And uh, a lot of housing grew up after that, too. The, our house was built in 1894. Wow. Um, and, um, and that's just a stained glass window from the house that I, I did cool. not know when I set up here was going to be sort of in the reflection. But uh, <laughs> there it is. That's right. You know, I'm one of those guys when I'm sitting here watching movies or TV shows and my wife, uh, she used to probably um, be impressed with it back in the day. And now she's probably a little bit annoyed with it. But when I see a, a, a mic boom or a light shadow or a key light that's flaring or something, I'll, I'll call it out. And she's like, don't have to ruin it for those of us who don't know what that's doing. You know. <laughs> don't spoil the magic. <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to get to rapid fire questions in just a second, but I do have to wrap with the question that I ask uh, pretty much all my listeners, and you know this. Um, 
what is your best piece of writing advice to aspiring writers? Mm. How much time do you have? All right. The best one piece is. And no, and actually, you know what I want you to do? I want you to take a second and really come up with something friggin' juicy because I don't want the tired and true standard one. And I know, Matt, I know you got it in you. I want to know. I want you to dig deep into the soul of who you are okay. and tell me, you know, what you've learned over this vast experience of yours. <laughs> All right. Number one with a bullet piece of advice for writers is find yourself a group of other writers who will look at your work and be honest with you. I am very, very lucky that through the Atlanta Writers Club, I have a, a critique group um, of there are four of us and uh, they have they went through every single section of 20 Mile, and they were brutally honest with me. And, uh, you know, it's you're too close to it as a writer. You've spent too much time with it. And uh, presumably by the time you are ready to send it out in the world, you think it's the best it could be. It is not. And that's what, um, that's what other writers are there for. So find yourself a community of writers, whether it's a critique group, beta readers, just friends um, who will take the time, but have people who will look at your work and be honest with you about it, what works, what doesn't, and take that to heart. Okay. Excellent. Superb. Nicely done. All right. You know, you know what this means? Yep. Rapid fire. <laughs> I'm going to let them rip. I'm going to start off with truly rapid. Now you've or folks, if you're listening at home, you already know that Matt has already given us a couple of the answers to this, but you're going to play along anyway. So truly rapid T tea or coffee while writing coffee, fried chicken or ham biscuits. Oh, fried chicken every time. There you <laughs> Collard greens or green beans? Collard greens every time. And now the one that you already know. We know he doesn't want a noisy coffee shop. He would prefer probably a quiet library. Yes, 100%. I need quiet. All right. A little bit harder now. You and the wife are sitting out on a vacation. Maybe the sun's coming along. You're on a road trip. You're in charge of the road trip mixtape. What music are you going to all be listening to? Ooh, um, so if it's a road trip um, and it, my wife is with me, it's probably going to be more like iron and wine. Um, I like a, a, a good uh, a acoustic. Um, I like a, a good acoustic soundtrack for that purpose. Now, if uh -huh. I've got like uh, my son along with me, then we may be getting into some uh, some modern rap and hip hop. But uh, I'll go with iron and wine for for wife and road trip. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, you're out hiking in the Smokies mm -hmm. when you suddenly realize you are screwed. Mm -hmm. Your cell phone just died. You lost your compass in a rushing stream. The sun is setting. And when you reach in your pocket, you find a hole has been the escape route for your pack of power bars, mm -hmm. your last food source. That. What's the first thing you're going to do? First thing I'm going to do besides assess what time of day it is and how much time I daylight I have left is uh, I'm going to get back to that stream and I'm going to follow that stream um, <laughs> because that stream eventually is going to, is, is going to cross over or under a road or a trail. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to get back to that water and follow it. Gotcha. And it always heads downhill. I don't know if you knew this or not. You know, well, if you're going with it, that's probably true. 
And if you go in, you know, it's going down, it's not going up. And if it's going down, there's going to be civilization somewhere nearby. Yeah. Good yeah. deal. All right. Well, that was fun. Folks, if you want to know more about Matt, visit cmattsmithwrites.com. This will be on the screen below and follow him as I do on Twitter at cmattwright. And of course, the book, once again, is 20 Mile. It's a great read. It's so much fun. And dude, you have been, uh, this has been a pleasure. Listen, I've had so much fun. Thanks for having me on, David. Well, I hope this tiny little podcast here in uh, San Diego, California, does something for you. Oh, I'm sure it will, man. This is listen. Everybody wants to be on this thing, and and I appreciate you uh, for you know mixing in the new guys in the in the smaller presses with with because I know you got your pick, you know. So I really appreciate the fact that you still have me and Mark Westmoreland and you know these guys on. That's 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 big for us. Uh, thank you for saying that. Totally good times and uh, big old fat happy holidays to you and yours. Uh, you too, man. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Matt Smith for spending time with us. Always nice connecting with friends from the South. All right. Coming up on next week's show, Bradley Summer has a book called Extinction. And this thing is getting rave reviews. I'm so excited about uh, having Bradley on the show. So I want you to please make plans to attend next week as we begin to wrap up 2022. Hard to believe already. Two quick little pieces of housekeeping. Number one, thank you so much to my sponsors who've helped make this show possible for you, my listener, this year. They include AuthorBytes.com, who builds first-class websites for the top authors and up-and-coming authors, too, all around the world. Also, Warwicks.com, the oldest family-run bookstore in America. Check them out in La Jolla, California, just down the road, or on Warwicks.com. Lastly, thank you so much for all the nice, kind comments you have brought our way over the past year. You've left us great reviews on Apple Podcasts, mostly five-star reviews, so thank you, thank you. If you'd like to leave one, we always love hearing from you. You can also just drop us an email at thethrillerzone at gmail.com. Always love to connect with our listeners. And a couple of quick things. Before you know it, 2023 is going to be here, right? We have some of the biggest authors in the world coming in 2023. I'm not going to run them down just yet, but I'm going to be telling you about those in the coming days and weeks. So I can just suffice it to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. That and a whole lot more. And anyway, I'm David Temple, your host. I got some reading to do. I'll see you next time when we have another exciting edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.